Welcome to the After the Battle Campfire, presented by the Modern Ronin. I'm your host, Tommy Chase, and I'll be your guide through the stories that are about to be told. On today's episode, we talk with my good friend, Dana Gilbert. Dana has a unique Navy career. She's enlisted in aviation as a AD and ended up cross-rating to become a RP, or Religious Program Specialist, working with Navy chaplains. She then went on to become a yeoman, a YN, where she ended her career. We talk about her entire career path, but we also talk about her experience on 9-11. So you guys, this is part one. Part two will air in a couple weeks. I hope you guys enjoy. Sit back, relax, embrace yourself. All right, people, we are back again with my good friend, Dana, I have who I have not seen since, what, 2010? No, I came back, I think, in 2014, 13, Did I to San Antonio. That? Yeah, because I came to, um, we went to that speakeasy there in San Antonio. Oh, that's right, yeah, the one by mm. me. Yeah, I think it was 2013, end of 2013. I was in Kyrgyzstan, and I flew all the way back. I had to do some training, so I came back there, so... So here you are. I knew Dana. I knew Dana when I was recovering at Fourth Recon Battalion in Nosk, uh, San Antonio. You are, yeah. We both ended our services there at uh, that command. Yeah. Let's uh, let's go back (laughs) to the beginning. So I am going to preference this. Dana is one of those unique girls who has had two different jobs in the Navy. Three, actually, three. Three. Three different jobs yeah. in the Navy, all yeah. of which were pretty wild how different they were. <laughs> they were. It was so broad spectrum. It, it was unreal. She should be uh, on, like, multiple Navy recruiting posters at this point in time. I don't know if they want me. <laughs> and with all the tats. <laughs> so let's go back to the very, very little baby Dana. So where were oh. you? Where did you come from? Oh, so my dad was in the Navy. So I grew up in the Navy. Um, I was born at Portsmouth Naval Hospital in Virginia. My sister was born in Bethesda. Um, my brother was born in, in Indiana prior to my, my father joining the Navy. And um, so I was born in Portsmouth. My dad was an East Coast sailor. That was back when you were, when people were stuck on either coast, East or West. And my dad was an East Coast sailor and he spent a lot of time at sea. He was a he was a AMS back when they had structural mechanics, when they had that breakdown. Um, he did make senior chief, and then he went CWO, and he went to CWO3 and retired. So that's, um, uh, that's that weird, that, that area that you, when you talk to people about, like, ranks in the military, the chief warrant officers and the warrant officers really just don't make any sense. It's like They don't, no, and my dad hated it, you know, because he was loved and respected by the chief's community. And then he went CWO and he, and he always would talk about how he wasn't accepted by the officer community and he was no longer accepted by the chief community. It was, it was very clicky, you know, and his last command was the USS Iwo Jima out of Norfolk. And, uh, he retired there. He was the AMO, the aviation maintenance officer. And he, you know, his, his retirement was really, really small and it was only attended by foreign officers. I remember it cause I was 10. You oh, know, wow. and yeah, it, it was, it was really crazy. So your dad's out of the Navy at 10 or you're 10 when your dad's out of the Navy, not your dad was 10 years old when he got out of the yeah. Navy. Um, yeah. 
where did you guys end up spending the rest of your time? So when he retired out of um, at Norfolk, we moved to Centralia, uh, Missouri. I know. Um, hold on. I'm sorry. I gave. I, I, off I know. I was like, I didn't steal it. <laughs> so we moved to Centralia, Missouri, because my mother's parents and her twin brother lived there, and um, that's where I'm currently. I, well, I'm actually in Herman at my sister's house, but I came back to Centralia for my high school reunion. Oh. So, so we moved there when I was. 10 going on 11. So I think it was 1987, 88, 88. I think it was 88. We moved to Missouri and I spent the rest of my time here. So what was your high school time like? Oh, it sucked. I had an East coast accent. I grew up in the Navy. You know, I didn't know small town at all. And so, you know, we moved to Missouri you know, I, I'd had friends from all over the world and I moved to Missouri and everybody had grown up with everybody. Everybody was born in the same city. You know, we had a town of like 3000 at that time and I just did not fit in. I spoke Spanish fluently and I, you know, I, it was very racist and I would come home to my mother and I'd be like, I heard the worst words at home, you know, at school. And my mom would be like, did you dare say them? And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, you know? I'm like, they're just terrible people. You know, I, it was, it, I have a lot of good friends now, but when I first came here, it was such a culture shock from coming from a military background and then small town Missouri where everybody knew everybody. Everybody was related to everybody. Everybody had grown up with everybody. There was generations of families in this town. And, and mine was one of those, but I had never been there, you know? So I didn't know. I didn't know what it was like. So how was, uh, how was high school for you then? Oh, it sucked. It was terrible. And I was, I was a young kid because when I started school, I was on a military school in, um, where were we at? Where did I start school? I started school in Virginia um, right before we moved to Puerto Rico. So I, you had to be five by December 31st. So I started school at four. So I graduated at 17. I was, I was a really young uh, graduate. I, had, I was only 17 years old in like five months when okay. I graduated high school. So I was the youngest kid. So I, I didn't get my license, so I was a senior in high school, which really sucked, you know, because everybody else had had their licenses and stuff. And I was a 13-year-old freshman. So it, it, was, it was really hard, you know. And I look at my kids now, my son who's 13, and I'm like, wow, I was... I was a freshman. He's in seventh grade, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was, it was, the whole thing was a culture shock. I couldn't wait to get out of my hometown. Um, my mom and dad divorced when I think I was like six, 15 or 16. And uh, so I was, that was back, you know, in the nineties where you could get a job at 16. And I was working like three jobs. I was working seven days a week to support my mom and stuff. And uh, I woke up one day and I was like, I can't do this forever. This, this sucks. I don't want to, I don't want to work like this. I don't want to, I don't want to work myself into the ground in midtown Missouri, you know, Midwest. So I had actually, I was a really good band player and um, I played clarinet, played in saxophone. I still play. Nice. My daughter, my daughter plays my clarinet. My son plays my saxophone. Um so at 16, I actually auditioned for the army band in Fort 
Benjamin Harrison in Indiana and I got accepted and they were like, can you graduate early? And this was 1994. And I'm like, no, I can't. I'm 16, you know? <laughs> and they're like, you're like, you're a female. You play the clarinet. We want you right now. And I was like, I, you know, I'm going to wait. So I did, I did the depth program for the army for, for like six months. And they were, they were banking on me, you know, but the Gulf war was going on. And I was like, what am I going to do? I'm going to join the band and there's a war going on. What am I going to do? Play the fucking clarinet? Is there riding in? You know, I, I just, I thought it was just the dumbest thing. So I happened to be, I was one of my jobs. I was a waitress. This was after I had graduated. This was, I don't know. I was supposed to go in and like, December of 95 for the army. Well, it was like October of 95 and I had some Navy recruiters come in for lunch and I was like, Hey, my dad was Navy. And they were like, yeah, you should, you should totally come check it out. And I was like, you know, fuck it. Let's go. Let's go to maps. So I just up and go to maps and they're like, Oh, you, you scored really high on all these mechanical jobs. And I was like, yeah. And they were like, yeah, you want to be a jet mechanic? Like, yeah, that sounds really fucking cool. They're like, all right, how about F-18s? You get the Navy College Fund. I didn't know what the Navy College Fund was, and they didn't do a very good job of explaining it. So I was like, fuck it, yeah. And they're like, okay, you can go next week or you can go in February. And I sat there for a real hard minute, and I was like, next week, let's go. They're like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, I'll never leave if, if, I, if I wait till February. And sure enough, man, I came home, told my mom, I said, I joined the Navy today. She's like, what? And I said, yeah. And uh, I left five days later and reported to boot camp on November 29th, 1995. So there was Bros. still... Oof. Oh, no. I was going to say, so was it still uh, three boot camps at that point in time? <clears throat> no, there was... Uh, uh, I think there was only one. There was only... So they'd already there. There all. may have been Orlando still, but it was, I, I didn't get the choice. I went to Chicago and froze my ass off. Oh my God. I remember waking up in boot camp going, I'll never come back to this city ever, 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 ever. It was so cold. <laughs> Jesus this, this was what? Uh, November, December that you went to? Yeah, I graduated uh, February 3rd. So I, we classed up. So yeah, I, I November 29th we you know we went and then you have your week of whatever and yeah I graduated February 3rd. I only remember that because February 6th we were in I went to Memphis for jet school and I got pneumonia. Oh Jesus. It, well, because we left there it was like negative 25 degrees and we get to Memphis it's like 67 degrees. A whole bunch of us got pneumonia. It was it was amazing. But um now I had a pretty great ride. It it was fun, you know. My dad uh, my parents had to sign me out to the Navy because I was 17. So my dad was like, does she have an A school? Does she have guaranteed A school? And I was like, what is that? You know, <laughs> my dad and funny, funny. I've got to, I got to preface this because my dad was like, don't ever join the Navy as a bosun's mate or a yeoman. And I was like, why? He's like, they, they have shit jobs. <laughs> and we all know how I ended my career <laughs> as a yeoman. <laughs> so yeah. So what was your original rate then? Uh, AD. I was an aviation machinist mate, uh, 6401, F-18s, eye-level mechanic. So um, so I went to jet school in Memphis back when it was the wild, wild west. 
man, let me tell you what. I was 18. This place was the epitome of fucking fraternization and underage drinking. It was off the chain. I swear to Christ. I don't know how I graduated. I really don't know how I didn't get caught. I got caught. I just didn't get reported. <laughs> it was it was unreal. We would be at the e-club drinking with our instructors. You know, there are E7s in the, you know, we had Marine instructors, we had Navy instructors. You know, we had E7s and E6s, Chiefs, Smash Chiefs, Senior Chiefs. They're doing shots with us. I'm 18 and I looked every bit of 15, okay? I really looked young. I I looked so baby. It was so crazy. And I was an E fucking nothing. I was an E1. I was an ADAR. <laughs> it was so funny. I was an ADAR. Aviation machinist made airman recruit. Oh God. It was such a long thing to say. So my so you know, back then when we were going to school, you know, based on how well you were doing school you were able to pick your orders by your, you know, your, your class ranking. And I was like third in, in the class. And uh, I was like, it can't be this easy. And they, they had a little printed out sheet up at the podium and they were like, come on up, you know, pick your orders. And it was like Guam, Japan, Florida, 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 Florida. And I was like, I don't want to go to Guam. I was like, fuck it. I say, I sign up to see the world. I'm going to go to Japan. And I was like, is that easy? And they're like, yeah, is that easy? I was like, nah, it's not that easy. I thought it was a lie, right? So a week later, you know, the career counselor's like, here's your pamphlet, here's your orders. I was like, am I really going to Japan? I'm like, yeah. And I was like, what's an MCAS? And they're like, they're like, oh, oh, is that your orders? <laughs> I was like, yeah, what what's MCAS? They're like, oh, oh, you need to go talk to the gunny. I was like, well, gunny, gunny. Somebody told me to come talk to you. I'm going to MCIS Iwakuni. He was like, he's like, have fun, sailor. He didn't give me any information. <laughs> didn't know what the fuck it was, right? So this is this is the funny part. So I get on the flight. Well, I, before that, I had to go to Lemoore to go to a C school. I had to go to an advanced school out in Lemoore, which is not even worth talking about because it's the middle of, well, of, the, armpit of it's the armpit of America. <laughs> It's like the San Joaquin Valley. There's nothing there but desert mountains and not shit. So I I get on a plane and I land in Iwakuni and um and I'm like, oh, this is a marine base. I'm Navy. I'm Navy. I didn't I didn't realize that that excuse didn't work, right? And um, there, this gunnery sergeant comes up and he's like, okay, who's here? Who's new? And, you know? And I'm like, I'm Navy. <laughs> That's not me. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, no, get in line. And I was like, yo, is this boot camp? And they're like, no, this is JRC. I was like, what the fuck is a JRC? You know? And I'm like, yo, tell me what what's JRC? Nobody would tell me what JRC stood for. And I'm like, I'm like, yo, what what am I doing here? And they're like, get up against the wall, get your sea bags. And I'm like, I'm like, no, I'm Navy. I'm like, isn't there like a Navy person here? And <laughs> nobody was there, right? And I'm like, I guess I got to go with these people. And finally, like on the bus to the barracks, somebody's like, it's Joint Reception Center. And I was like, what's that mean? And they're like, get with the program, sailor. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> you, you, was, didn't, you didn't have a smartphone or Google or anything like that back then. Dude, this is 96, you know? And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And so we get to JRC. <laughs> And they put us in this this room and they're going over all the rules and regulations. 
And I was all excited because I was 18. I'm like, I'm going to Japan, drinking ages 18. Nah, bitch. Two weeks before I arrived, they changed the drinking age to 20. And I was like, come on, man. 20? So so we get into JRC and the gunny's like going over all the rules and everything. And I'm like, this blows. I'm like, I'm like, Gunny, um, I'm Navy. I don't think I'm supposed to be here. I was that, I was that green, right? And he's like, he's like, sailor, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, like, nobody told me it was gonna be like right it it was rough and so we get into our rooms and they're like metal racks it's like boot camp you know and I'm like what the fuck and I've got this marine sergeant she's my she's my roommate and she's like look you need to get your shit together and I'm like but sergeant I don't I don't think I'm supposed to be I kept saying that for like the first two days (laughs) <laughs> it was like every movie you ever watched. It was almost like Private Benjamin. It was like, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. You know? <laughs> and she's like, No, you're here. You're, you're you know, you're a corpsman. I'm like, No, I'm not a corpsman. I'm a, I'm a jet mechanic. I'm I'm going to Mouse 12. She's like, Yeah, that's a Marine squadron. <laughs> and I'm like, No, I'm Navy. You know, I just it was like my default. I was like, I didn't join the Marine Corps. And so so finally, like on the third day, some petty officer comes over. He comes over, scooting over in his his bell bottoms, his hands in his pockets, and he's like, "Yo, what's up?" I'm like, "Dude, I don't think I'm supposed to be here." <laughs> and he's like, "No, no, everybody's got to do this." I'm like, "But I'm Navy," and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, me too." He's like, "But you're gonna go to the Marine barracks," and I'm like, "Where do the Navy people go?" <laughs> so I didn't know that my my job was. NAF Atsugi Det Iwakuni, and I didn't know that. So apparently, Mouse 12 had a very small contingent of a naval air facility detachment from Atsugi that worked there. And we had like, I want to say 15 to 16 sailors that supported the air operations there with Mouse 12 um, uh, what, power plants. That's where I worked, power plants. So we had a so small Navy engines. detachment. Yeah, so we did all the engines from Whidbey Island all the way to Diego Garcia. Oh, geez. So, so we had to sprinkle some Navy people in there to make it look like we're a team, you know? So um, so that was my introduction to the Marine Corps, and it was very rough. Uh, the first year was extremely rough because, because, you know, we're this small Navy detachment. Nobody fucking briefed me. Nobody said, hey, you're going with the Marines. Oh, by the way, you're gonna have to run all their fucking PT. You're gonna have to do all their workouts. You're gonna have to wear their PT gear, but you're gonna have to wear your uniforms. You know, it, so you know, at 4:45 in the morning, we're 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 standing in formation, and I'm like, but I'm Navy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Why do I gotta run three miles? You know, it was it was rough. It was really really rough, but I finally assimilated. You know, and I loved it. I loved being a jet mechanic. It was really really fun. Uh, met a lot of great people, but the advancement was terrible. A lot of the guys I worked with were getting out at their higher tenure, and they were like E4s, E5s. Oh, wow. Yeah, so there was no advancement. And so, so one how long of the guys... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, how long did you stay in aviation? Um, three and a half years. And it took me every bit of three years to make third class. So... Um, that was back when we had to do PQSs. So I had to do my PQSs with the Navy Q squadrons, the VAQ squadrons 
that flew in from Whidbey Island. So I had to wait for them to come in to do my PQSs in order to take the third class exam. So, you know, it, it, and I had to coordinate it with them. It, it, it was really difficult. So I didn't make third class until the end of 99. And um, so when, one second, I'm, I'm on my call. I'm on my call. Can you give me another drink? I gotta go clean a house real fucking quick. Okay, sorry. Can I have your keys to go see? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Tom. That's okay. I know you. I know you can edit this out. No, gonna keep. Oh, you can't. No, I can't. Oh, (laughs) I'm just gonna keep it in just for the hell of it. I don't know. Dig in there. They're in there somewhere. So, um, so I made. Oh wait, yeah. There you go. Careful that it doesn't break. So I made third class like the end of '99. But a buddy of mine was a jet mech, right? And he was a third class. He was like the eternal third class. And he and one day I run into him and I'm like, dude, you're second class. What the fuck? He says, Oh, I'm an RP now. I said, What what the fuck's an RP? And he says, Oh, it's a religious program specialist. I said, No shit, what's that? What do you what do you do? What do you do? And he says, You should come over. We need people. I made rank like that. I said, No shit. And he goes, Yeah, here's a copy of the link. Remember the link magazine? Yeah. The old link, the old link book that came out. So I flipped through it and it and it, it literally had like this tiny little article. I still I still have it somewhere. This tiny little article at the bottom, and it was like, Are you having trouble advancing? Come over to the RP rate. We need E4s, E5s, and E6s. And I was like, That's me. What do you know? So, so I'm like researching how to do this. And we had a terrible, terrible little PSD on uh on Iwakuni. So I go to the first class. Of course, he's Filipino. And he's like, what What do you want to do? And I was like, I, I want to go RP. And he's like, oh, you got to do all this shit. He's like, I don't think you're going to get it. I'm like, no, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. So nobody would help me out. So I did my own shit. Like, I looked it up, figured out how to do it. So I go over to the command chat. This is the best part. I go over to the command chaplain, and I'm like, hey, I have to have an interview to be an RP. Will you give me an interview? He's like, sure, write me a letter why you want to be an RP. And I'm like, the fuck do I write about? <laughs> so I'm like, I want to join the RP community to, to help promote religious prosperity or some shit. I don't know. I wrote it like some fucked up bullshit. Misspelled chaplain. I don't know how many times he pointed it out to me in the interview. He's like, chaplain, like Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> I was like, is it how do you spell it? <laughs> you know, this is. You should this be set up Missouri with... education. <laughs> so, so he gives me this interview and he's like, I'll recommend you. And I'm like, great, that's awesome. So I put my package together, I give it to PSD, and they're like, good luck. I don't think you're going to get it. I was like, all right, cool, whatever. So I was already making plans. I'm like, where am I going to go? And, and the only options were Florida. I'm like, what the fuck is with Florida? Why is Florida such a big thing? You know, and so I don't know when it was. It was it was close to the end. I guess I made third class earlier in 99 because at the end of 90, closer to the end of 99, I got accepted for RP and I was like, this is great. And they're like, yeah, you leave in 30 days. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Cause I had to class up in Meridian. Okay. So like, you, yeah, I was going to ask you if you had to go to RPA. Yeah, I did. And what a fuck stick show that was. Oh my God. What a shit show. So I, you know, I get all my stuff. I go to Meridian and I report to a school and uh, it's run by this retired 
senior chief that was an rp and he's you know he's one of those that didn't teach a class he was too busy telling sea stories and i was like i'm not here i just want to get my new rate so i can make second class can we like move this shit along you know (laughs) and so by then i had i had tattoos down to my elbows this is this is an important uh side note uh because it, it plays into the rest of the story so i had tattoos down to my my elbows and i was just having fun because i was a fleet returnee i was in a school i had a car i was drinking i was like fuck you bitches i don't have to go to i don't have to come back for curfew i'm a fucking e i'm an e4 you know fuck you so i was i was just partying and and the, and the school was so easy so I do have to give this little side note because a lot of people are like, what the fuck are RPs go to school for? Well, we are trained in the major religions of the U.S. Navy. So we're, we're trained in Christianity, Judaism, Catholicism, uh, Orthodoxy, Islam, and Hindu, believe it or not. And a little bit of Buddhism back then. So we had to learn all their high holy days, their dietary requirements, um, their religious observances all the stuff that, you know, all the things that are on the altar, what they're called, you know. And when I say orthodoxy, I'm talking about Russian, Greek, and uh, Jewish. So it's different than Judaism. So it's oh, the, wow. the, high, the high Jewish orthodoxy is different. So, you know, we had to learn their high holy days or their dietary restrictions, you know, um, ceremonial, funeral, uh, protocol. Um, sorry, uh, I had a phone call come through. that kind of protocol and um so it was a lot of of stuff but i'm really good at school so i would be out partying and have all these stamps on my hand and the senior chief he'd be like i think you're cheating i'm like why he's like you come in you smell like alcohol and you're getting like a's on these tests he's like i think you're cheating the fuck are you talking about i was like this is not hard stuff man you know (laughs) oh it's Catholic stuff. I was like, most of us grow up knowing a little bit of Catholic stuff, you know? And, um, so it was just, it was just a really strange school, but halfway through the school, they're like, you've got orders. I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I want to go to, I want to go to, I want to go to sea. I wanted to go, I wanted to go to a carrier. I like, I had a hard on for a carrier since I joined the Navy. Cause my dad was a seagoing sailor. I was going to be a seagoing sailor. God damn it, I wanted to go see. And they're like, no, you already have orders. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, you're going to the chief of chaplain's office. Oh my God, my phone is going dead. Hear me. They're like, you're going to the chief of chaplain's office in Washington, D.C. I'm like, no, I'm not. I want to go to see. I want to go to see. They're like, no, we need a third class. You're going to the chief's office. But because you have tattoos, you got to wear your dress whites all summer long. I said, what the fuck are you talking about? One, I didn't ask for your fucking orders to dc and two i'm not wearing fucking whites all summer long and they're like yeah you have to and i'm like no i don't i want new orders so i actually had to go stand in front of the old man get my ass handed to me on a silver platter and told no you're going to dc and oh by the way you're gonna wear your whites all summer long so at the end i went to dc and wore whites all summer long (laughs) so what year was this this was 1999 the end of 99 so i report new year yeah so i report to to dc and i and i I started working for the chief of Navy chaplains and the, at that time it was the deputy chief of chaplains, but they were converting it over to the deputy chief of chaplains slash chaplain of the Marine Corps. So at that time it was Admiral Byron Holderby and then rear Admiral Black, who is currently the chaplain of the Senate in DC. So he's held that position since he retired. 
Oh, wow. In 2004, I think. Yeah. So what was it like as a little, what, 21, 22-year-old Dana getting sent up to to D.C.? It was uh, a learning lesson. <laughs> Let's just say I didn't have an ass for about six months because uh, <laughs> I did not know how to be at that level. I wasn't trained for it at all. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't prepared for it. I'm nobody prepared. Nobody prepared you. What's that? I'm surprised that they would send anyone, not just you, but just someone out of A school to go do that that billet. Well, they needed a third class, and it was a hot fill. And so the the only enlisted people we had up there was we had a master chief and we had a chief. So the master chief was a senior enlisted leader. Um, God, I forget his name. But he was the senior enlisted leader of the RPs. And then we had a chief, we had an office chief. I remember him, Chief Norman. He was a great guy. He was, he was, uh, he was the plank owner, so was the master chief. They, they were original RPs, you know, came in as an RP and stayed. Um, so that's the only enlisted leadership we had in the office. The rest were chaplain. We had 22 captains, two commanders, three admirals. One of the admirals, 22 captains. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was massive office. It was a massive office. And uh, I was just like the floating enlisted person. All I did was write letters. And and let me tell you what, I learned the uh, the correspondence manual word for fucking word. I did not know how to type. We had to type in RP school, but I I kind of bullshitted my way through it. Will you tell people <laughs> what an RP actually is supposed to do? Well, um, so like by the an, by the description, so by hey. the by the page fifteen, yeah, or page thirteen, page thirteen. So religious program specialists by Geneva Convention chaplains are not allowed to carry weapons because they're healers, like doctors, and so for that reason, uh, RPs are considered bodyguards, and we do carry weapons. We carry nine millimeter or an M sixteen. My sergeant majors like to make my life a living hell and maybe carry both. Um, not a lot. Some do that. Some don't. Uh, usually when you get to E6, you just carry the nine mil. Uh, but like I said, my sergeant major hated my hated me. And so he made me carry both. So, so did, you go both. The, did you go through the uh, green side? Uh... I did. I did after DC. After okay. DC. And that blue ass, man. <laughs> so back back to DC. 21-year-old Dana. Uh, yeah. Navy Yard or Pentagon at that point in time? Um, well, no, I was at the Annex, which um, is no longer there. It's on the hill above the Pentagon uh, on Columbia Pike, right across from Henderson Hall uh, and ANC there. So where the memorial, the Air Force Memorial is now, that is where the Navy Annex stood. So we were right next to the McPon's office. And at that time, it was McPon Hurt, uh, James Hurt. So he was there. We worked right next to him in the main hallway on the first floor of the Navy Annex. And that was also where Boopers, Beepers was before they moved to Millington. So where were so, you? So you were out in town, I take it, because there's no barracks around there. Or did they have? Yeah, barracks? I lived. I lived out in town. I lived in Alexandria. I lived in so, Old Town, so, Alexandria. So. So what was Dana's nightlife like? Uh, <laughs> when I was younger, not much. Yeah, not much. I actually got married there in D.C. to my ex-husband. He. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna leave that one alone in case court comes back to look at this. Uh, <laughs> 
No, um, so yeah, I got married and then we moved down to Stafford, like past Quantico. So I didn't really oh, wow. do much there. Yeah. I in the in the early days I did. I used to go over to Georgetown all the time and and tramp around like northeast DC and northwest DC and Adams Morgan and all that stuff. It was great, great fun. Chinatown, all that stuff. I love it. It's good stuff. But um in general, yeah, I didn't I didn't do much. I uh, in my earlier days when I was broke and young, I used to just go from museum to museum to museum and, you know, have a great time because that was back when you could buy a Metro pass for like a dollar 10 and go anywhere all day long. Now a Metro pass costs you $15. So jeez, oh, yeah, I love DC. What a great city. Such an was, amazing city. I was there about this time. No, it would have been September two years ago. For yeah. some Navy stuff, and it was it, it, completely different than when I went out there for my med board in 2010. It is how much the all the apartments have gone up by the Navy Yard. Oh. I know they, they're really and looking at the like, price tag. <laughs> yeah, it's like a reverse gentrification. It's it's kind of reverse broken windows over there, where they're taking like a shitty neighborhood and making it really nice now. The but wharf overly is overly nice. Yeah, wharf is 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 luxury now where it used to be just a shithole. So. Yeah. so did you, uh, how did you like being an RP up there? Oh, I loved it. God, I loved it, man. I mean, I was, I was going to the SecNav's office every Tuesday, the Commandant of the Marine Corps, Deputy Commandant of the Marine Corps, the VCNO, the CNO. Man, I had so much FaceTime with so much brass. It was fucking unreal. It came back to bite me in the ass later when I went to Okinawa. I was like, what do you mean you're not paying for my lunch? You know, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I was a third class and then I made E5 first time up, which RP served me well. So, yeah, I mean, I had FaceTime with all these three stars, four stars, you know, my personal admiral that I worked for was a one star and we would go to meetings and I'd be like, I'd be like, Admiral Bigger, say something. He's like, Dana, I'm just a one star. And I was like, yeah, you know, so I got this attitude. I'm like, one stars are shit. You got to be two or higher, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was crazy. You know, I was having dinners at my admiral's house. We were going to the VCNO's place. You know, we were having dinner. I had dinner at the uh, Pentagon. I forget where we're at. We had some dinner. I sat next to Admiral Clark. He was a fucking CNO. I was a third class sitting next to the CNO. I was like, mm. you know, shit, it was unreal. I was like, this is the Navy? I could do this Navy. This is my Navy. Is my navy bitch yeah yeah it didn't last long <laughs> so, I, I i hope you but don't mind me bringing this up but it's part of the story oh i know it's part of the story it's part of the story so i know so you're there and yeah. 2000 quickly rolls into 2001 and it does there's a new president did you guys uh, do anything with the inauguration or anything no 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 Admiral Black may have. I don't remember. I used to have to get his uniforms ready, so I don't. I don't know. I'm trying to picture you getting people's uniforms ready, especially. He was, a, he was always showing up in the wrong uniform. I had to like go get it for him and shit. They'd be like, "Go to his house and get his uniform. He's in the wrong uniform." Fuck, man! So Did you guys tell him this? <laughs> so chaplains are as bad as medical officers. Though. Oh, they are, man. Wrong uniform, wrong medals. You know all that good stuff. So, so you on on a quick side note, you know one of uh, our fellow sailors. I don't know if you remember Israel Flores. I do. He uh, is the senior chief in charge of recruiting chaplains in San Antonio. 
Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, I, he was telling me like try. They asked him to try to find Catholic chaplains, and apparently, yeah, it's good a luck. Pain it's in unreal. the ass. It's like it's like finding that mint chocolate chip sponge bread in the MREs. It's it's you know it exists. You're just not sure where. <laughs> so like, I know they're there. So what was the what was the winter or I guess winter spring of 2001 like for you? Uh, it was great. It was fun. It was, it was really cool. You know, actually that spring I'm, uh, I'm waiting to get a ride to the Pentagon and, um, this, this caravan pulls up like a, like a minivan, you know, and there's, there's like two junior Marine officers next to me and, uh, they pop too and they salute. So I'm like, I'm gonna salute too. And they're like, and the, the window rolls down and the guy's like, Marines, you going to the mall entrance? They're like, yes, sir. And he's like, get in the car. So I'm just standing there. I'm like, it's February. I'm freezing my ass off. You know, and he's like, sailor, you going to the mall? I'm like, yes, sir. He's like, get in the car. So I sit behind this Marine, super tall guy, right? Got a little corporal driving. I'm sitting next to a Navy commander. I'm going to drink my sister's beer. And behind me are the two junior Marines. And the Marine in front of me, I don't know who he is. He's like, Sailor, who do you work for? I'm like, oh, sir, I work for the chaplain of the Navy, Navy Chief Chaplains, and the Deputy Chaplain of the Marine Corps. He's like, do you now? I said, yes, sir. He's like, what's your name? I'm like, uh, Petty Officer Stevens, you know? And he's like, he's like, so what do you do, Petty Officer Stevens? And I was like, oh, we're here. I was like, you know, I just came from MCAS Iwakuni a couple years ago. So yeah. And he said, yeah. He goes, I was through there. I said, where are you, sir? He said, oh, yeah. So we have this conversation. It's just me and him. There's like six people in the car, just me and him talking all the way to the mall entrance of the Pentagon. We pull up and there's press everywhere. And I'm like, what the, who the fuck am I in the car with? Right. And so we get out and he stands up. This guy's like six foot six. And I got my cover on. I can't see him. And I salute him. And I'm like, thanks for the ride, sir. And he shakes my hand and there's a coin in his hand. He's like, it's nice to meet you. Tell your boss, General Jones says hi. And I was like, what? The fucking Commandant of the Marine Corps just gave me a ride to the Pentagon and gave me a coin? <laughs> Man, I could not wait to get back to the office. I was so excited. That coin was like, oh, my God. You know, <laughs> I still have that coin. It was, oh, what the best fucking ride of my life. Oh, it was so great. Commandant General James L. Jones gave me a ride the pentagon and spoke to only me <laughs> that's because everybody loves you dana everybody loves me until they don't <laughs> good so, stuff so that was spring and then spring turns into summer how was uh, the beginning of your summer for 2001 uh summer was great then i had just gotten married um i got married in july july so August rolls around, and then I'm looking for a lighter, but I don't have one. So then, of course, September. Um, so the Navy Annex at that time, I'm checking my battery level because my battery is getting dangerous. So the Navy Annex at that time was one long corridor with, I think it was five corridors off of that, right? So it was like like that, you know? And my husband at the time worked at the end of corridor three. I worked... In the main and off of the off of five. So right next to the Mick Pond at the end of the main and off of five. That day, 
was such a strange day. So it was a gorgeous day. And we're talking day, about September, September 11th. 11th. And it was a gorgeous day and it was a hot day. And I had a terrible sinus infection. And I had my ID card. And I never carry my ID card. And I put it in my dress white pocket. And I had my dog tags on. Some fucking weird reason. I wore my dog tags to work. And I have my ID card. I never do this shit. Never do this shit. This is back when we didn't, you know, we didn't carry our ID cards all, everywhere, you know. And um, Tuesdays, I always went to the VCNO, CNO, um, SecNav, SecDef, and CMC's Commandant Marine Corps Ops every Tuesday at 9 o'clock without fail. My mother knew my route. My, my, my office knew my route because that was my route. So what I, what I did was I went there and I had to pick up correspondence and drop off correspondence. And, uh, and those offices, for anybody who doesn't know, they're on the E-ring, which is the outside ring, and the ring that faces where, you know, the plane hit. And um, so the, it faces, I think it's Route 11, and it faces, you know, the, where, where the memorial is. So, so that day, I go around the office, and I'm like, hey, who's got correspondence? And I'm like, hey, I'm going to the Pentagon. But I was like, fuck, my head hurts so bad. I'm going to go to medical first. And I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody. So I go down to medical and I get down there at the end of the third wing, which is like toward Columbia Pike, which is a road that runs all the way down the Pentagon. And um, it's like, man. And they're like, hey, did you hear it's planes hit uh, the Pentagon or hit the trade towers? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like a, like a prop plane or like a plane plane? And they're like, no, a plane. And then, like, one of the guys runs out and says, another plane just hit. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, you've got to be, you got to be fucking smoking crack. There's no planes are going to hit. The trade down, no planes of significant weight are going to hit. I'm like, I think you have it wrong. You know, and I, and I felt like I was one of those um, jet connoisseurs at like that you, time. You knew because yeah. you had... Yeah, and, and I did. I loved, I loved airplanes, and I studied them when I was a jet mechanic. So I did know my shit. And um, so we're sitting there and we're debating whether this really happened or not. We're trying to get TV going. And we hear this plane. And it was so loud, Tom. You ever hear like a car or a motorcycle like that? You feel it in your chest? Yeah. You feel it? I heard it and I started walking toward the door and the door wasn't more than 20 feet away, the outside, the exit door. I said, that engine is, is too high. It's high speed. So when I was a jet mechanic, anybody who was a jet mechanic knows when a plane goes too fast, when the engines go too fast, it's called, it's overspeed or high speed. It's this high pitched whistle. It's a very uh, um, noticeable whistle that it gets because it's, it's going too fast. And I heard it, and I felt it, and I started running toward the door, and I said, that, that plane's going too fast. And we were not over the, um, the air traffic route. The air traffic route went up and down the Potomac. Planes never went over our building, and it was low, and it was loud, and it was whistling, and I, and I ran out, and I ran out just in time to watch it disappear into the Pentagon. And it was like, it was like a movie. It just... It just went in the building. It didn't make any noise. It didn't make any noise in times. It's like movies. It's, I'm so down. 
it's like the building just absorbed this plane and then it blew up and then everything sped back up and the, and the, and the noise and the percussion, Jesus Christ, the percussion. I never felt anything like that. I never to this day. And I hope never to, um, I was a half a mile away. I think quarter mile, half mile, a significant distance. And it, and it just about blew me off my feet. And then the world just fucking fell apart. Cops were racing down the Columbia Pike. Alarms went, somebody pulled the alarm in the building and everybody started running. And I'm like, what are we running for? What are we running? And so we go around to the, the front of the building and we stand there. We're all kind of like discussing what this was. Everybody's like, it was a bomb. And I was like, it wasn't a bomb. It was a plane. Nobody would believe me. Nobody would believe me. I was like, it was a plane. It was a plane. I saw it. I saw it. Everybody's crying. They're screaming. And we're watching the Pentagon burn. I don't know. I, I, I really don't know how long it was that I stood there. It could have been 10 minutes. could have been 30. I don't know. But um, then the face fell. The face of the, the Pentagon fell. And people lost their fucking minds. Whatever sense they had gathered, it was gone. It was absolutely, people were running. They were screaming. They were grabbing their hair. They were yelling at people. They were tripping over people. And I was like, I was looking at the building and I was like, I was supposed to be right there, right fucking there. And so I slowly walk around the front of the Navy annex and I, and I get to my rally point, which is out in the parking lot. And my office just comes running up to me and they're crying and they're hugging me. And they said, Dana, we thought you were in there. And I said, no, I went to medical. I went to medical today. And so I'm like, I need somebody's phone. I got to call my mom. And, um, couldn't get through. All the lines were down. All the lines were down. And I kept trying to call. And I finally got through briefly. And I left like a half a message. And um, my brother was with my mom at the time. Apparently, my mom had been watching this on the news and just crumbled in front of the TV and and fell. And my, my brother was like holding her and well, she was just crying uncontrollably. And, and during that time, my voicemail came through. And so she knew I was alive. But for a good, I don't know how long, I don't, the timeline's so off in my head. She thought I was dead. Everybody thought I was dead because everybody knew on Tuesdays, Dana goes to the Pentagon. Tuesdays, Dana walks to the Pentagon. And um, so mass casualty gets, starts setting up and um, they're, they're putting up, you know, triage places and they've got like, I, I don't know. I mean, this was at the time they had like red, yellow, orange and black or something like this, something like green, red, yellow, black. And they were all waiting for survivors to come out. And nobody ever came out. Nobody came out. There was no survivors. So one of and the things... Then, sorry, Dan. No, okay. I was going to say, one of the things that uh, I don't think people understand is the RPs work very close with the corpsmen, especially on the Marine side, uh, and the chaplains and that. So you guys were there. Yeah. Right there yeah. for that. Yeah, you know, and um, immediately you got hooked up with a chaplain. I got my, my rear admiral, and I'm, we're clearing rooms in the Pentagon. I'm like, what are we clearing rooms for? We know what happened. Nobody, this is the thing I think that, that chaps my ass, burns my ass, bothers me, and pisses me off, and, and other things I don't even know how to articulate. Nobody would believe me it was a plane. There was 
pieces of fucking fuselage that said American. It was there was fucking um, napkins and cups all over the ground. American Airlines shoes, baggage. Everybody's like it was a bomb. I was like it's a plane. It was a plane. Why won't anybody believe me? It was a plane. You know and. I, I think it was like at the end of the day they finally like accepted yeah it was a plane but uh but during that time they had me clearing rooms for my admiral and I'm like what am I clearing room for it's not a fucking bomb it's not a fucking bomb but yeah I mean it was such a strange day it was like the longest day such a long day day that never ended it felt like oh what was going what was going home like Eerie. No traffic. None. None. And, and it was weird because, you know, I left I left that carnage at like 7 or 8 o'clock at night. And I went home and I ordered Chinese food. And I turned on the news. And it was like ordering Chinese food was like the most normal thing in the world. I need a lighter and a drink. And it was like ordering Chinese food was like the most normal thing in the fucking world, you know? And it was like, you know, and I went home and I, and I watched the news. I didn't really pay attention to it. I, I didn't really, um, I didn't really deal with it till I, till 2010. Yeah. I remember that. So- 10 years, or 2011, sorry, 2011. I don't, want, I don't want to keep harping on this, but I'm kind of, I'm, I think people would be interested. So what was the following days like going back to work? It was terrible. It was terrible. So they set up the, I don't know why they did this. They set up like this viewing station some ways back from, sorry, some ways back from the, from the impact. And, uh, so the families could come and look. And I thought that was the worst fucking thing. And so we got assigned chaplains and we worked 12 hour shifts, seven, seven. And I, I opted for the 7 p.m., 7 a.m. because I like the witching hour, you know. And uh, they had us doing shit we shouldn't have done. So they, they, they had me sitting there with these firefighters and family members. And all I was supposed to do was like talk to them. And these firefighters would be like crying on me. They never seen shit like this, you know? And, and, and family members are crying. I'm waiting for my dad to walk out. And it's been three days and I wanna be like, your dad's not gonna walk out. Your dad's in pieces, you know, I'm sorry. You know, that was a plane loaded with fuel. That's all good. <laughs> Said I wouldn't do this, but um, and kids, so many kids. You know, a friend of mine, he was chief selectee that year. His son was on that plane, and his whole office got taken out. And his son, 
I don't know what to say. Still after all this. All this time. You know. I know. Sorry, this is no, just no, bringing, no, no. It, bringing it's a okay. drink. Thank y'all. <laughs> I think uh, I think you did the best that you could with what you were given at that point in time. I do, and I, think, I do. I mean, not in like a you blanket. just lock it away. You just lock it away. Yeah, not in a blanket and, defense and, of the Navy, but we didn't know what was going on. We were brand well, new know, to this. Yeah, well, and the fucked up part was they had counseling for us. Here's the best part: they had counseling for us, and we would go. To, it was forced counseling too. Group group counsel, group counseling. That was the best part. So it was group counseling, where they'd sit us all in a circle, corpsmen, dogs, RPs, and they'd be like, they'd be anything, you know, we'd be like, yeah, you know, it's all some fucked up shit. Like, but you didn't die. Why are you crying? And we'd be like, yeah, you're right. Why are we crying? You're right. We didn't die. We didn't lose anybody. Yeah, suck it up. What the fuck's wrong with us? Yeah. So... They would, uh, they beat it out of us basically with guilt. You know, you didn't die. You didn't lose anybody. So what the fuck's your problem? Get back to work. You're fine. Counseling over, you know, and you'd be like, yeah. So you, you box it. It was just like Dr. Sleep. You box it up, you put it away, you locked it away and you didn't think about it. Yeah. Let it go. So let it go. After 9-11 happened, Obviously, a lot of shit changed. Oh, yeah. Crazy. So what was it like in the office, especially working for the uh, the assistant chaplain of the Marine Corps, once we knew that we were going somewhere? Um, He he was real busy, Admiral Iacello. Um, um, he was Catholic. He was first Catholic uh, chaplain of the Marine Corps. Uh, Admiral, I think Vincent Iacello was his name. He was a great guy, real good guy. Uh, he got real busy. <laughs> he started going everywhere in theater, like everywhere. Um, the chaplain of the Navy, um, chief, chief, chief of Navy chaplains, uh, Chaplain Black, he got really busy with speaking engagements. Um, but for the most part, life didn't change. Um, other than um, we started getting more, started looking at changes to curriculum at Crest, which was the chaplain and RP expeditionary skills training which was field med, but it was our field med. It, it, chaplains and RPs went to school in conjunction with docs for a certain amount of time. Then we broke off and went to Crest, which was chaplain and RP expeditionary skills training. And then we met back up for like the last two weeks of field med and graduated together. So they looked at changing the curriculum for that. But I don't really remember life after September 11th. Um, it was weird for a long time, kind of like COVID, where we didn't know what to do, but we knew it, we knew we had a threat, but it was, you know, like, how do we attack it kind of thing? And, and then we went on, you know, and then it became the new normal. What did it, what did it do for, for you as a sailor? Did it make you want to keep serving, get out? Did it change any of your views on how you saw what you were doing? No, it didn't. And and I think people expected me to be like that because a lot of people are like, I joined after 9-11. And I was like, yeah, I was there. Like, oh, I bet I did. No, I'm like, no, <laughs> no, it sucked. <laughs> don't know it renewed my faith and service. I, I I don't have any great 
moments after that. You know, it it didn't it changed me. Yeah. But it didn't change me at that time that I know of that it that it affected me. You know, I don't I don't think I looked at anything and said, Yeah, gung ho, whatever. I was just like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get out of here. It's time for orders. Let's go. So how long yeah. after that did you get your orders? Um, so that was September. I left in May of 2002 to go to Crest Field Medical Service School in Lejeune. So, so RP2 <laughs> goes up to Crest. So let's see. Um, you've been to two A schools, a C school. And you <laughs> now I'm going to boot camp again. <laughs> I was going to say, and you skated in all of that. Oh, I did. What was Oops. that culture shock like? Oh, man, did I fuck with these people. So, <laughs> so I knew I was coming. And we're in like a Quonset hunt, you know. And, you know, and um, I'm an E5 fleet return me. There's a whole bunch of little boots. And uh, there's a couple chiefs that had gotten asthmoed because they were overweight and some first classes. And it's like, 5 a.m. on the first day. I'm completely dressed, got my hair done. You know, I'm laying in my rack like any minute now, you know. And they come in banging, banging uh, trash cans and shit. And I stand in front of my rack and they're screaming like it's boot camp. And I got this shit eating grin on my face. I'm like, whatever, bitches. You know, <laughs> like, so, so they come in and they're screaming. And I am doing, I'm like, I got tears rolling down because I'm internally screaming inside. I'm laughing. And they pull me off the side. They're like, look, this isn't for you. It's for them, the young guns. You know, you got you to gotta play along. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was funny. And then um, so, so the chaplains and RPs, we, we play the game with the, with the corpsmen for the first couple of weeks. And then we break off on our own. And we go to the chaplain RP uh, expeditionary skills training set of it. And um so we had to get a, out of a bunch of boot chaplains. They're straight out of Newport, you know. They're ready to save the world one soul at a time, you know. And all these RPs are like, yeah, I'm going to be a chaplain someday. And, you know, they're they're all happy and gung-ho. And I'm like, fuck, man. I'm like, when can I smoke another cigarette? You know, <laughs> I was so disillusioned. And we had this, we had this RP1 who was a Marine Corps staff sergeant. He was a Marine Corps staff sergeant got called by God to be an RP, left the Marine Corps, came over into the Navy. God bless him. I don't know why. And he, he was there. So he was over me. So we were the senior people. He was RP1, I was RP2. So we have to get up in front of the class and talk about why we're there. And all the chaplains are like, I'm here because God called me. I'm going to save some souls today. I'm like, good for you. So we all get up and like, I'm the second to last person to go because RP1's like the last one. And all the RP SNs are up there. They're like, I'm here because I'm going to be a chaplain someday. That's so great. I love God. I, you know, I do fellowship in my off time. By the way, we signed a page 13 saying we wouldn't proselytize, but I digress. <laughs> so, uh, so I get up there and I'm like, yeah, I'm RP2. Just came from chief's office. Uh, I'm here because Booper said I had to come here before I went to Okinawa. Uh, yeah, I'm just counting the days. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, people could ask questions, and like, all these chapters are like, What religion are you? I was like, I'm not. And they're like, No, no, you gotta have a religion. I was like, Oh, do we have to have a lesson in how to save souls? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give you one. <laughs> yeah, so 
it was uh it, these chaplains boy they made it their mission to try to save me during this time and i'd lead them on i'd be like really could you tell me more about jesus oh yeah i was like why don't we can we meet later because i got shit to do <laughs> i met you and then in the first 10 seconds i knew there was no saving your soul <laughs> there's two types of rps there's the ones who study their bible and there's the ones like me that are like when the fuck is happy hour where's the nearest beer where's the nearest yeah, bar because I, I can't take this shit <laughs> I, I disagree. There's there's three type of RPs. Mm. The two you describe and the ones who like to shoot kids in the head and brag about it. Uh yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Met uh, one of those we, in uh in Iraq. We we try not to associate with those motherfuckers and we secretly wish for their death. So uh, I, I yeah. think everyone does. Yeah, yeah. They're they're very, very few. They they fly under the radar. They're kind of like those secret fucking Nazis in the Navy, you know. They really are. They're fucking terrible. But I mean, it was RP school was I almost got kicked out like three times. <laughs> so did you guys have to do like the whole O course and shooting? Oh yeah. Hold on. Sorry, my phone's phone's about to die. Yeah, yeah. We had we had to do it all. We had to go we went to a gas chamber, we went to rifle range, pistol range, swim call. Oh man, that was fun. Well, uh, let's jump back right now because you just forgot. I, I ask everyone this question: How was your first gas chamber experience? I didn't bother me. Okay, I, I kind of um, figured it wouldn't have. Most so, people yeah, talk about like trying not to lose your shit. They made us sing the Marine Corps hymn, uh, you know, we had to like sing the Marine Corps hymn, and then we had to put it back on, clear it. It didn't bother me. Yeah. What you know, what was worse was putting on the mop gear. We did we did full level mop in there, and um, the mop gear had more CS in it than than the fucking gas chamber did. I was crying before I even went in there. I was like, oh. "You guys were <laughs> out at Camp Lejeune, right?" Yeah, we were uh, Camp Johnson. Camp Johnson. Oh, okay. We went to Geiger for um, pistol and rifle and gas chamber. Uh, we went to Geiger for that, but uh, I know, I know, I'm on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I warn you. Yeah. Yeah, we went to Geiger for that. So you um, you somehow graduate by this <laughs> my team. Jesus Christ! I like I said, I almost got kicked out three times. It was I was not a good. I was a good sailor. I was a good sailor by Marine standards. I had a lot of my 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 um my instructors were like, "Why can't you be a Marine?" I was like, "Because I'm in the Navy, bitch." <laughs> <laughs> Because I yeah, like so, to play like you guys do, but I but fall I back wanna, on my knees. I don't want to commit. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to commit fully. Like, I don't need to commit all the way. So, so you, I, I, I get so done said, there and I... Oh, okay, go ahead. I was going to say, so you said that you went to uh, Okinawa. Yeah, I went to Sakanawa. And uh, I hated Okinawa. But I, I report to Okinawa and I go to um, MAG-36 on Fatenma. And uh, immediately they're like, you have to get your FMF pin. I'm like, yeah, whatever. They're like, you gotta get it, you gotta get it. And I'm like, well, how long do I have to get it? And they're like, you have a year, you you have a year to get it. And I said, Well, when can I pin it on? You gotta wait a year. And I was like, Well, I just fucking got here. I'm good. And uh, let me that let me back up. I broke my ankle in field med, by the way, and I walked on it for two months. Um, I broke it like the third week of field med, and I didn't say anything because I knew you could get dropped for anything. So when I reported to Okinawa, I was like, I need to go to the doctor. I was in a cast like three days later. They had to do surgery and I was in a cast. They're like, how the fuck are you going to report to Marine Command and be in a cast? I was like, well, what had happened was I broke my ankle and I didn't say nothing. <laughs> so, 
So I get to Okinawa and I'm in a cast and they're like, you gotta get your FMF pin, you gotta get your quals. And I'm like, I get there, man. And so remember, I was a jet mechanic in Mouse 12, first marine aircraft wing, long ago. Fast forward seven years later, I'm in the first marine aircraft wing, MAG 36. Dana knows fucking everybody. Dana used to work with everybody, right? So they're like, you gotta get your quals. I'm like, I got this shit, right? So they give me my my binder. I got there in June. They give me my binder. And I go up to my buddy. I'm like, Gunny, what's up? He's like, girl, what are you doing back here? I was like, shit, motherfucker, I'm an RP now. You know, and he's like, what are you an RP? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, hey, man, can you get this shit signed off? I don't got time for this shit. He's like, yeah, give me two weeks. Two weeks goes by. I get this binder back, my FMF binder, right? All signed off. All gun decked, right? All of it, right? And so I'm new, and the chief's like, hey, Petty Officer, we're going to go do some, we're going to do some PQS for FMF. We're going to do some uh, fuel samples or something. I was like, that's cool. I don't need to go. They're like, what do you mean you don't need to go? And I was like, I already got that signed off. Who the fuck did you get that signed off? I was like, oh, a couple weeks ago. Well, I kept saying this, right? So my chief shows up in my office one day. He's like, give me your fucking binder. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why? I don't He's like, let me see this shit. And he's like flipping through it. He's all pissed off. He's like, who the fuck signed this off? I was like, I don't know. (laughs) I gave it to Gunny. I don't know his name. And he's like, who'd you give to? I was like, I don't know his name. (laughs) I knew his name. (laughs) Fuck, man. I was like, I don't know. I just, I I went over and they were like, just leave it here. So I left it. He's like, who'd you leave it with? And he walks me over there. And I was like, I don't know. And I was like, didn't he transfer? And they were like, yeah, yeah, he transferred. I was like, oh, sorry, chief. I don't know who he is. Let's just say that Chief and I had a very rough three years. <laughs> so, was he, was he but, an HM or was he a... No, he's an RP. He was an RP. He was all pissed off at me. Oh, damn. So he was even not a... So they were all pissed off at me because they had been trying really hard to get this shit signed off. And none of the, like, aviation community would take the time. Because, you know, the FMF was different. If, if you were with the wing, you had the you had wing do, section. Yeah. Yeah. And if you had the FSSG and then if you had the div, it was different, you know. So they were having a hard time getting the wing to to just play ball, you know, and, and sign their shit off because they were assholes. <laughs> That's all I could think of. And then I come walking in and I know like half the fucking wing, you know, and they're like, Dana. And I'm like, bitches, I told you I'd be back, you know. And and so I get my shit signed off in like two weeks and they're like, they're like, what the fuck? And I'm like, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> So I get my stuff and my colonel's like, did you get your pin? I'm like, no, sir. You know, and I used to go running with my colonel and he's like, why didn't you get your pin? I was like, I got to wait a year. He's like, that's bullshit. So he goes to my chief. He's like, why can't she get her pin? They're like, well, sir, you know, she got her stuff gunned. He's like, no, she didn't. She knows her shit. God damn it. Give her her pin. Well, needless to say, I had to wait a year. So a year to the day. I'm getting my pen and my colonel and my chief's there, my chaplain, everybody. And he's like, I'd have given this to her six months ago, but you guys made me wait a fucking year. You know, <laughs> I wasn't well liked in that yeah, command <laughs> with the RPs. <laughs> so did you have a chance to deploy as far as like oh, going on a, on a Mew or something? No, I went to the Philippines every year. That was it. That was enough deployment to last a lifetime. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh my God, the Philippines. Want to talk about? Uh, my phone's gonna die, Tom. I hate to do this. No, no, it's don't good. worry about it. We can continue. We've been doing this for an hour. 
already. I know we can we can we can catch up afterwards. On we can we can start at the Philippines and work our way forward. Ooh. But yeah, I mean, yeah, my nickname in the Philippines was real party, a real player, real pimp. But yeah, I love the Philippines. It didn't love me though. Yeah, God, I had some crazy corpsmen. Fuck, man, I had some crazy corpsmen in the Philippines. First mall. Oh, the first deployment I was there. Second deployment. My corpsman, I land, right? I'm like flying with my buddies out of Hawaii. They were in they were in Japan with me. They worked at the GSE, ground support equipment, when I was a jet mechanic. And I was like, Lou, I got a Hawaii, um, Hawaii squadron going to uh, the Philippines with me. Is that you? And he's like, yeah, girl, it's me. He was the maintenance chief, right? He was like a master guns. I was like, fuck yeah. I hadn't seen him in like seven years. So we do this RGR in uh, Balak, uh, not Balakatan, uh, but the Anas, like Northern Philippines. And I jump in the back and uh, I get in the back of one of these uh, super stallions, you know, 53s. And uh, we do this, like, this big landing on Clark and I get out of the, the, the helicopter and I run up to my buddy Lou. This is back when I had hair down to my waist and like my hair is down. I got, I got my like, you know, my Mickey Mouse ears on and my horse collar. And I rip it off and I go hug Lou and all these Marines are like, who the fuck is that? They're like, yo, that's a chaplain's buddy. <laughs> I was chaplain's like, hey, the chaplain's buddy. buddy. I'm, the, I'm the fucking RP motherfucker. You know, and so, so Lou and I, we were like partying and um, the, the, the corpsman was like, yo, Dana, we're having this party tonight. I was like, yeah? Like, yeah. He's like, that is like, I forget. I was like, 50,000 paces or 5,000. I can't remember how much it was, but it was like, all you could eat, all you could drink in any hooker. I was like, I don't need a hooker. He's like, you should come, you should come. I was like, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know, I don't know. So that night, I didn't go to the party. And we were there like five days. Some douchebag had a fucking video camera, records everything. The next morning, I'm going into the CO's call. Skipper's watching the video with NCIS, and my chaplain's like, did you go to that fucking party? I was like, no, man, I didn't go to the party. I was like, I almost went to the party. And he's like, did you go? Don't fucking lie to me. I need to know. Are you going to show up on this video? I was like, no, man, I didn't go to the party. I didn't go to the party. <laughs> I almost went. I almost went. And like, so what happened? What had happened was everybody had went to this party, and and they were making noise, and the Filipino, like, police came by and told him to shut down and the marines were like fuck you we're partying but it was run by the doc of course the doc was the fucking judas of them all charging money at the door you know flipping off the camera fuck this get your hooker yeah so like 31 guys went home five days after we got there <laughs> 31 guys went home and went to njp for like uh, all kinds say, of shit so there were 31 <laughs> ranks lost Mostly E5s and E4s. But it was so funny because my chaplain was like, I swear to Christ, if you don't tell me you're really... <laughs> I was like, I wasn't there, man. I wasn't there. I almost went. And it was so funny because when we would land, I had the same chaplain every time. He'd be like, you're not allowed to party with the div. And I was like, but why? They're the fun ones. <laughs> He's like, stay away from that RP too. I was like, oh, fuck you. He's a cool one. <laughs> I love the Schwab RPs. They were the best. Yeah, so uh, there were so many times where my chaplain would be like, don't you do anything. I'm like, dude, man, all I do is drink and fucking 
buy people beers to come to your Comrail. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> did you yeah. have record? Did you have record numbers? Yes, you did. Like, <laughs> they'd be like, they'd be like, wow, there's like 50 people here. How did you get so many people? I'm like, just shut up and say thanks. <laughs> Do you know how many legs I had to rub to get people to come? <laughs> Do you know how many beers I had to buy to get people to come to this fucking party? <laughs> Shit. What year was yeah. this? 2003 yeah my chaplain was like wow so many people are coming to christ i was like yeah that's what it is (laughs) (laughs) do you know how much you know i had to spend five dollars last night in beer (laughs) because you know philippines is so cheap (laughs) i was like i was like do you know how much shit i had to sell last night to get these people to come nobody wants to be because they think I like them. <laughs> I think this is the most truthful uh, description of what religion in the military actually is. Oh, fuck. They'd be like, they'd be like, RV, RV, you got to get people to come and come around. I'm like, how the fuck am I supposed to do that? I don't even want to go. These <laughs> shit used to piss me off so bad. They'd be like, hey, we're going out to the city. I'd be like, how long are we going to be there? They're like, eight hours. I'm like, eight hours? What are we going to do? You're like, you're going to give out clothes and food. I was like, you're like, that's your job. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you're right. I want to do I want to do that. <laughs> Fuck, I hated being RP. <laughs> I fucking hated it. I, the only thing I liked about it was I got to fly all deployment long. I had a bag, and I'd be like, they'd be like, yo, RP, we're going on this fan flight. I'd be like, sweet, I ain't got shit to do. I'd be sitting at the armory with my girlfriend, Leah. She was so cool. She was on every deployment with me. We shared a room together. I'd be sitting at the armory just chain smoking with her. I'd be like, yeah, I'm going flying, bitch. (laughs) I'd go for four hours and go flying. Yeah, God, I hated being on Did I tell you that? I often wondered what they did. Oh, it's so fucking... We didn't do shit. At least we have excuses to skate. Mm. You guys would like show up once in a great while. Like there'd be a chaplain, and then you'd be like, "Yo, what's up? Wait, we're here. Okay, we're out." <laughs> that says that 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 name tape says us Navy. Wait, where the fuck did you guys come from? Oh, by the way, we're gonna get ranked with you too. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we're gonna burn your numbers up. <laughs> yeah, bitches. <laughs> I know my phone is gonna die. Tommy. Well, let's ride this till the end. I know. I'm like, it's gonna die, 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 die. You know? So, what happened after that? To after that, uh, duty station. Oh, so Sakanawa. So after Okinawa, um, where did I go? Oh, so my ex-husband, may he rest in hell, um, was like, I'm from Louisiana. We should go back to Louisiana because he retired. So I got orders to NAS New Orleans Naval Air. Naval Aviation, no, NSA, Naval, I didn't think about that. Naval Support Activity, New Orleans. And so I got stationed there and I, man, I, I got terrible luck. So we get there in July of 2005. What happened in August of 2005, everybody? Oh, Katrina. Yeah, Katrina. So I get there in the end of July 2005. <laughs> and fucking Katrina hits and destroys my chapel. So I get, I get blown up. Like, you got to get back to the base. You got to get back to the base. So I get back to the base like five days afterwards. The army had come in and taken over our base like fucking cockroaches. 
and they had invaded my chapel and turned my chapel into a talk. Okay. Tactical operations center. And they had brought weapons in, which I don't know if you know this is a big no, no. And, um, so I get back on base and I immediately get fucking verbally ass raped by an air force chaplain, an army chaplain and uh, a coast guard chaplain. And they're like, why the fuck did you allow this? I'm like, yo, hold the fuck up, rabbi. I haven't been here. I don't know if you noticed, but a fucking hurricane hit and I wasn't here. I didn't stay to hold the roof on. And they're like, you got to let this shit out, you know, blah, 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 blah. So it was, it, it was like a, it was like a bar joke, a rabbi, a Catholic and a fucking Baptist just fucking assaulted me on the, on the sidewalk outside of my chapel. And I'm like, yo, fuck you. I don't even know what's going on. Like, I hadn't even walked into the chapel yet. And these guys are bitching me out. And I walk in and there's fucking weapons all over the Blessed Sacrament. Okay, I'm not a religious person, but even I can be like, yo, that's fucked up. Okay, don't, don't be bringing weapons into the Blessed Sacrament. It's a Catholic goddamn holy. It's the holiest of holies, you know? And I'm like, oh, fuck me. You know, and they've got, they got shit everywhere. So I get everything cleared out. Get everything cleared out. By the way... I don't know if you knew this, but my CEO on that base lost his shit and pulled a gun on another army officer during that time. Look it up. Google it. It's fun. Uh, he, he got relieved. but um, I wonder why. Hmm. So I get everybody. I get everybody out. And I finally get it under control. And I got a little, I got a little weapons tent going on over here. And this army major comes walking up. And I, I got a big swinging dick right now because I'm like, yeah, I got everybody out. And um, he comes up with a nine millimeter on him. I'm like, sir, you got to leave that over here. And he's like, who are you? And I was like, I'm RP1 Stevens. I said, no, this is my chapel. And he's like, well, it's my talk. And I was like, well, you can take your talk and shove it up your ass. Uh, you're not going in here with a weapon. And he's like, who the fuck are you? I said, my name's right here. I don't know if you read it. Stevens with a V. Make sure you get it right when you go write me up and he's like he's like i'm not i'm not putting my weapon out here and i was like yeah you are i was like you're either putting your weapon out here or you're not going in or we can fight for it because i don't give a fuck right now i was like i've had my ass handed to me by 406s in the last five days the last thing i'm gonna have is some army major come and tell me what the fuck to do in my building so you can suck my dick or you can walk the fuck away and he was like who the fuck are you again i was like give me a pen and paper i'll write it down for you so he walks away. He's like, fuck you. I'm going to get you. Right. He's yelling at me as he's walking away. And I'm like, cool, whatever. And I'm like, get a cigarette. And I'm like, yeah, fuck this guy. He comes back an hour later and he's like, I just want to apologize to you. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. What did you say? <laughs> he's like, um, so I called my general and he explained the situation. And he's like, and I'm supposed to formally apologize to you. And uh, you're supposed to call him. And let him know you that I apologize to you. And I was like, that's not necessary. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I know what it's like not to have an ass. And we ended up actually being friends after that. And, but it, it was so funny. It was so gratifying. It was so great because after the hurricane, it was like the Wild West. Fucking nobody had any rules. Everybody had a gun and everybody was ready to shoot it. And they were like, fuck you. And everybody's refrigerators were fucked up. And there was no fresh food and water. So, yeah, it was the Wild West. It was great. It was so fun. But it, 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 was, it was really fun to, like, tell that guy off and then have him come back with his tail between his legs. 
And then we became friends. I don't know where he is now, but it, it was fun. They were with like the first cavalry or some shit. Uh, so that was Hurricane Katrina. So how long? It was quite st- interesting. How long did you stay in a? Uh, in Louisiana. Uh, four years. Four years. Two thousand eight. Two thousand twelve. And, yeah, and then I, yeah, and then I came to Grand Old San Antonio, Texas. So wait, when did you become a yeoman? In Texas, oh well, right before I came to Texas. So what it was is I was looking for new orders, and um, the uh, RP detailer had a hard on for me. I don't know why, and he's like, "Oh, you can go back to Okinawa." I just had my son, so my son was only like two, three months old. He's like, "You can go back to Okinawa." Or you can go to Camp Lejeune, or you can go to Chenhe, Korea. And I was like, no, no, and no. I know, I know. And I was like, no, no, no. And he's like, well, I don't have anything for you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I, I, I just had a baby. Like, I don't want to go. I want to go to a Marine unit. I want to go somewhere else. And he's like, nope, that's it. He's like, that's it, or find a new job. And I was like, all right, fine, fuck you. I'll find a new job. So I tried to go back to AD, and um, it was closed out. And uh, they were like, no, you can't go back to AD. So I was like, all right, well, what, what is there? And they're like, you can go Yeoman uh, FTS. And I was like, the fuck is FTS? Is that like active? <laughs> they're like, no, it's full-time support. And I was like, what does that mean? And they're like, you need to go FTS. And I'm like, okay. So I put it in my package, and I got accepted, and I got a straight conversion. Because typically, if you went active duty FTS, you got knocked down a rank. But oh. I got a, I got an E6 to E6, and I became like this fucking unicorn. And and uh, after I went yeoman, I had all these people calling me. I didn't even know these people. They're like, "How did you get a straight conversion?" I'm like, "What are you talking about?" They're like, "You went active to FTS and didn't lose rank." And I'm like, "Is that like a thing?" And they're like, "Yeah, it's a thing." And I, I don't know, you know, and it was, it was crazy. So I became a yeoman and came to San Antonio. Where, I'm almost done. Where we met. Mm-hmm. Do you want to continue this at another time? I do. Let's continue San Antonio. Just give me like 30 minutes and I can call you back. Actually, on the same you link. know what? Let, let's end it for today. Okay. And we'll, I'll message you with like a, sometime this week. Sounds good. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you can follow us on social. Check us out at our website, modernronin.com, on Instagram, The Modern Ronin, on Twitter, at TommyChase01. And you can always support us at modernronin.locals.com. This is our locals group, and it'd be great if you guys joined and subscribed. Some great benefits. Talk to you guys soon.